Darling, we've had one hell of a time But the question on everybody's mind Where is the Hello and welcome to Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker, and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of our discussion with Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. We hope you enjoy. It's a good segue to talk about the Star Trek stuff because I had already heard that you guys had had, had a Star Trek RPG that you did for a long time and like and that, that has influenced the new the new run a lot. Uh and that i i've honestly i feel like i've thought about that every day since i heard that that's so insane <laughs> like like because like i've played long-running rpg games and like i've like dm'd all of them pretty much and the idea of taking those sorts of narratives that can shift and change with what players do and allowing that to influence a story that you like lock in as like a narrative thing is fascinating to me i mean like is that i i have so many questions about that i mean like how how many how many times when when people who played that game with you look at that book how often are they going to be able to like point at something and be like oh i recognize that that's from when we played um that's a damn good question um before though before we kind of give the audience the wrong idea i think it's important to know that like so this star trek game we played uh took place of many years uh 30 players it took place in a different time period of star trek right uh and took place before card yeah right. head card. so uh it is not that our ideas it's not exactly like what this isn't the expanse you know the expanse right. was effectively a transcription of a tabletop role-playing game um which this is far from but yeah. it is it was an amazing way to workshop some of the most innovative and interesting ideas in the star trek universe to try and find oh well that idea really pops like that is actually mm-hmm. a really cool new innovation a new fusion of concepts and from that we kind of got to create a uh the 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 stew that we then get to ladle into our current runs uh, both in year five and the current star trek run um but there's i mean i mean so like so like on star trek year five Mm -hmm. there was uh the tholians um and effectively the tholian plot uh mine was a little bit different and and built on a different thing i didn't have the gary seven stuff but the tholians were sort of by the end of our the game had four seasons um it was supposed mm-hmm. to have seven uh but uh i got overwhelmed at the end of four um, with like 30 <laughs> players and and life kicking off um and I, I stopped the game and at some point i hope to to do like a big like finale like retreat with the people and actually get an ending but until then we had the tholians we kind of left that off on the cliffhanger um we had uh, a few other little nods here and there, uh, but mostly it was in the, the Tholian stuff and in uh, the Je- oh, and and that was that, that was it. We had this character Bright Eyes who came to the Enterprise. It was like a little Tholian kid that they raise on the Enterprise over the course of the last season of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the year five pitch. Basically, it's like they they the the last big triumph of the of the Enterprise is communication and diplomatic relations with the Tholian empire through this personal relationship with this kid, uh, mm-hmm. uh, bright eyes that they call bright eyes. Uh, 
And that meant that we had to know how Tholians thought, how Tholians spoke, <laughs> how Tholians' biology existed, how their uh, mythology existed, how their culture functioned. None of that stuff's been essayed in, in Star Trek ever, which mm-hmm. was one of the things I, I wanted to really play in, in, uh, in the comics, so, or play in the, in the RPG, so I did. And I had players. I had one player in specific, um, our friend Adi Kavigting, uh, who took a um, – she came in with, like, a really strong pitch and was like, I want to play a, like – we had need for this like specific kind of like medical gemidor, like this like really just like intense medical character who uh, mm. could could figure out any problem, sort of our bones, but they could kick your ass, uh, like rhino bones. And she was like, I want to be that. I was like, great, excellent. Your entire plot is figuring out Foley and shit. And she was like, that's all I want to do. And she <laughs> would write me these medical reports. We would do these games where she would like, we'd talk out all the things and do all this science. And then at the end, she'd be like, Here's your start. Here's your like Starfleet folio. And we were able to give that to the writer's room in Star Trek Year Five and be oh, like, wow. this is Tholian canon, right? So it's not like we were taking the plot of our game or our characters' actions or anything like that, but we were using yeah. the game as a framework by which to workshop these ideas and then like work with the players to make sure that it, it made its way into Star Trek proper. Um, yeah. So we're doing that in the new series, not with pitch. There's very little about this pitch that has anything to do with the plot of Star Trek Year Five. But the eventual villain of the book is an adaptation of a player character. Many, (laughs) many of the uh, uh, many characters in the second arc. I think three characters in the second arc are player characters. Um, Mm. Like we are introducing actual legitimate stuff. It's just like from the game, but we're not doing it by saying like, okay, so the game is happening over here. The game is canon. That's not what we can't do. Yeah, for sure. That's where that that would be dishonest to the game, dishonest to Star Trek. It would be bad in every regard. But we can be like, hey, does this character who should never, like, who never existed in Star Trek, could they actually exist? Like, could we Mm -hmm. get them into the canon? Uh, Would it it be additive? And and that's really exciting. For a great great example is a a player character of ours. uh, He was the last Jem'Hadar. Right. It's like, why the fuck wouldn't you use the last (laughs) Jem'Hadar? That idea is too fucking good. It doesn't really matter that it came from our game. It is just a genius idea. So... Like yes, you have to you have to use you know the best story wins. What right? we're working on right now is making sure that like players get credit. That's like a thing that I'm I'm really I, I've always right. been like if if we put your stuff in these comics, I want to make sure you get creator credit. Like I I, I want I want this game to like I, I think it is has effectively now attached itself to Star Trek enough that we can like get our best ideas in and right. and hopefully and that's not for us. That's for Star Trek, man. Like I love Star Trek and the idea of getting a whole bunch of really cool people all together doing a you know years long writers room to come up with some pretty cool star trek ideas and then mm-hmm. being able to sort of like uplift them into the into the thing proper is um, right. it's a pretty crazy dream we're really happy do, to do those players to know about this yet like are yes. they excited about yeah. it yeah we get their permission before we pitch right yeah because so, i imagine that would be mind-blowing <laughs> yeah yeah I, it's 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 been pretty dope yeah. so i i understood about 20 percent of what you guys just said <laughs> <laughs> and, me and me and matter over here like mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh. um no i i'm sort of i'm i'm both fascinated <laughs> i'm fascinated by the idea of like road testing your ideas before right. you mm. bring them out is like a really beautiful, wonderful idea. And I'm also like, once again, reminded in the, in the beauty of comics and us all being a community and knowing each other, like all I do all day is read comics or make comics. Like I don't Mm -hmm. fucking leave my house. I just do that. (laughs) And it's always nice to be reminded that like, 
there's other levels of nerdier shit than the shit that I do. And so, like, thank you guys for that. Like, that's <laughs> that was the longest run down a great bit. <laughs> um, no, I, no, I, I, I'm making fun of you guys, but actually, like, no, you're correct. It's so impressive and so, like, I mean, it's the thing we were talking about. It's innovative. It's like a different way. It's not a Hollywood way of like, you guys sat down and pitched a movie and it has to be good and you have character, you have actors in mind and all that shit. It's, it's a totally innovative way of telling stories and like making mm -hmm. things that is so fascinating to me. Well, you just, you just said uh, a word that I think is really important. Uh, to us and 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 to our workflow in general, um, and ties a lot of I think these questions together. Actually, just to give you a little 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 uh, tie in here, uh, community. Mm -hmm. um, community is super important to us. Uh, we have a strong community of friends here in LA who make sure that we don't uh, never leave our houses. Um, we <laughs> are community for one another, um, and try to like make sure that we understand how to. Um, take care of the other person and like make sure that the other person feels valued and like and 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 feels you know buy-in on the work um and then we're part of this comics community whose whole thing is we all do our shit differently mm -hmm. like we don't even write our scripts the same way man like yeah. like nothing we do is similar except that the medium the, the out the outward medium that comes out can all be viewed together as a as a genre yeah. as a medium i guess um but like that's not the same as us having the same process. And mm. I think what Colin and I have stumbled into is how to do this by community. Um, mm. I don't think it was like what we what we set on, um, but what that did was it created a, a sort of necessary amount of uh, perhaps like um, uncharacteristic ego death as an author. Mm. Uh, like both of us, we our company is called Ego Death um, because we use that phrase a lot. Uh, it's... <laughs> we have tried to completely subsume that part of ourselves. That's like, like that, that thing that just comes like the, 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 uh, I don't know, like the thing that comes directly out of you, like that, mm -hmm. that raw creative material, mm -hmm. it goes through a process with us where for a lot of people, it goes through a very like internal singular process. Mm -hmm. And knowing that it has to go through an external process, either in an RPG or in a conversation or in a relationship or in a comic book or in a script, like it just, it ties all that stuff together. And so comics becomes part of the community. It becomes like a, a um, I don't know, the comic community pushes us forward and we try to push our little thing forward. We don't think of it as about it as innovative. It's just the way we write. It's a really long, again, that was a long walk towards a, an obvious point, but yeah, it's just kind of how we do. We, we are, we are without ego. We are as close unto angels as possible. <laughs> and by our light, all of you absolute gremlins mm. shall live in darkness. Right. I mean, that's where gremlins want to be. So I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Colin is my Mordor translator. Uh, <laughs> really well. No, I, I, I do, you know, like, I, I really love hearing about this stuff from you guys. And I think you, you, Jackson touched on a, a, a great point that like, you know, I remember I was in high school and I, I remember I wrote some essay on some, some high school bullshit and like, you know, I got a bunch of points off for bad grammar and I, uh, and I went to my teacher and I said, you know, like, 
just being an obnoxious fucking teenager, I was like, you know, grammar is a tool of oppression. Like it is a, it is a way, <laughs> oh, it is a, it yep. is a way to to throw out ideas, to not approach the idea, to try and invalidate an idea before you have to reason with it. Like you didn't wow. grade me poorly because my idea was bad. You graded me poorly because there's a bunch of arbitrary rules that I didn't follow. And I had to write an essay then on that. And if I wrote a compelling essay on that, then I would never be graded again in that class on grammar. And I did, and I I passed, and I didn't I didn't have any grammar rules. Holy and, shit! Yeah, I, I was <laughs> an obnoxious awesome. kid. I was an obnoxious awesome. kid. But I I think about that a lot in terms of comics because, you know, it, I mean, you guys know in film and TV, there's all these rules on just like everything on structure and format, on the way a script is laid out, on the way you know what your cover page looks like. There's all these like very intense sort of rules that are designed sort of to keep people out they're sort of designed to be like oh if you don't actually know someone if you you don't have the tools to have access to the stuff we're gonna throw your idea out without ever looking at it like and comics has none of that like there's no formatting and so people are always like well what does a script look like and i i always say like it's a conversation with you and an artist it looks like whatever is the best way that's our line yeah we say we say I, i always say it's a letter to the artist yeah, I was like, whatever your artist wants it to look like, whatever you feel comfortable saying, like, that's what your script looks like. Um, and then I say, but my way actually is the best way. And, I, and then I send them my scripts. But, uh, I, you know, I, hearing, hearing you be like, yeah, there's not, there's not a right way to do it. And then having this as your approach and being like, this is just the organic way we do it is so fascinating to me because it takes this idea that I, I, I've held so dearly for so long in my life and partially only to get out of you know, failing in my English class, but like partially also because I do believe it and seeing it like the walls blown out on, on what it can be to like build something and format something and structure something and, and make something is, is so fun and innovative. And like, I feel like it's, it's great because I feel like that also carries over to the work. It's not just the behind the scenes of what you guys do. I feel like your books read interesting. I feel like you put interesting ideas in them and like, I wonder if you guys see a connective tissue. Obviously your process is very natural to you, but like not natural to other people. Do you feel like the process generates, I mean, of course you do, but like, is there, does it, does it push the innovation forward or do you feel like those are separate things? Is my long way, long road to get there. I've done a ton of talking. You want to, you want (laughs) to do a first run on this thing or you can just uh, say yes or no. You can make it a yes or no if you want. No, because I, I, this is an interesting question. I feel like that we could both. Really yes. Into. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I have a good answer on that one. I, I, so, I yeah, I mean, effectively, yes. I think the it's it's actually kind of in some ways maybe more, um, a product of the individual part of our process more than it is a part of the hive mind part of our process mm-hmm. uh in a weird way uh which might be worth kind of jumping on for a second just since we're this deep into the woods on our process um and this isn't something we we vocalize a lot but I, I think it is sort of how we work which is the and it's why we give ourselves those those psychedelic issues i mentioned um we always know we're going to come upon it because it's like oh we just want some time to colin talked about going off on like a on a rogue right mm-hmm. um the psychedelic issues are rogue issues. They're they're designed to allow us. They they are lightly outlined, and they are lightly paginated. We actually do a, a process of paginating our book before we before we script it. So there's a process between outline and script where we go through and like add pages to all of our outlines so that we know what's on every page and we can sure. at least agree on structure um, before we go to corners. That way we we know that we're writing the same script. Uh, 
but before, but like, you know, we don't really paginate psychedelic issues. We just hand them out. And then it's like, Colin knows he's handling this emotional structure and he knows that he gets to do it however the fuck he wants. And I know I'm handling Ooh. this emotional structure and I can do it however the fuck I want. And we play and like, we get a little chance to just mess around because those issues by the very nature shouldn't be as much of a straight line and maybe a, a little disco discohesion. That's not the word. Um, like a little non-cohesion really helps uh, mm. to like make the thing better. So uh, I think we actually, and, and those are maybe the most innovative quote unquote, because they're the ones that get to get the most formalist. Um, I do think we're both formalists and I, I do think mm. we both like really try to make, like we call our shots in our scripts. Like we're, we're a little more dictatorial than, than some writers. Mm. Um, in our scripts because we are really intensive about what we're going for um mm. generally and then obviously we love to work with artists who blow that out you know blow the walls out of that and make us realize that we had no idea what we we're talking about like carmen carnero is an incredible example of this we're like you can give carmen an amazing challenge and she won't do it exactly like you suggested but she will do it exactly like it was meant to be done like True. she she, yeah. she she fucking nails it um so i think but those innovations generally come from colin going to corners and thinking weird and me going to corners and thinking weird, like just letting our, letting our, our individual jam out. And then when that stuff makes it into the book, that's when you're going to see the, the more things. So like every once in a while, we'll talk about formalism, like in the outline process, but a lot of that just comes from the actual individual. Cause we're both interested in that. That's, that's, that's an interesting answer. And I, I like it. Um, I, I found that, yeah, I found that for myself, like, <sighs> it's I mean it's it's funny because it's always a learning process right you're mm -hmm. always you know like trying to be a better writer than you were last script and and mm -hmm. the thing I the thing I'm finding more and more is that like I need to give myself more room to not know what I'm gonna do going into something and like um and that's something that used to really scare me and sort of terrify me to be like I don't really know what's gonna happen here but it's gonna be fun and and like are, are do you deeply outline are you just like I mean you're like I, I used I used to um, less so now. Uh, I mean, it, it it depends. Like you know, at, at when I was at Marvel, like yeah, I had to. I mean, obviously for them, I have to like really tell them exactly what's going to happen on everything. Um, yeah. uh, you know, my relationship with Ben Abernathy at DC is good enough that like he has a lot of trust in me. Where like he'll just uh, yeah. be like, yeah, it's a beast, yeah. Ben. Ben is, you know, like, and a great editor, and he pushes me back when I'm wrong, and and you know keeps me on the rails. But like, there's a lot of just like, you want to chase that. I mean, I I you know I can't say what it was, but we had a call yesterday where he was like, you have to do this thing for two issues. Like, what do you want to do? And I hadn't put a lot of thought into it, and I was like, just on the call, like sort of wing something. And like by the end of the call, we were both kind of in love with it. And like, um it's actually the thing I'm most excited about working on for DC right now is this, like, I can't wait to get to these scripts, but like for, for like, what's the first place from here? Like me and Tyler, like four kids walking to a bank was really tightly scripted because it's a high story. Like we had to right. know everything. Yeah. And I can't, I can't write anything if I don't know how it ends. I can't, you know, I have to know what the ending Same. is to figure out the emotionality and, and the journey. But the whole point when we finished four kids walking to a bank was to go into furthest place and, me and Tyler be like, let's know where we're going, but not know how we're going to get there and, and just mm -hmm. take the trip. And it's been sort of creatively the most rewarding thing I've ever worked on because of that. And it's made me feel a lot more open to the idea of like, you know, like you said, like taking a little 
psychedelic break or taking a little, <laughs> you know, going rogue. Um, I, I, think, I mean, I, dude, I, it, 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 I, I always think of your work just to, you, you've been very kind about our work tonight. So I'm, I'm going to pay you back in a uh, quick you don't have to geek that, out. But... I just think one of the, one of the things I think is really cool about the way that you build uh, stuff on the page is that it does feel deeply um, structured and thought through and sort of like built. Uh, but I can't wait to see what happens when you don't, uh, because I genuinely don't, I, that's like, it's, it's sort of, uh, it's like, what if we put something totally different in the warp core? Like you're, that's such a strength of what you do. I'm yeah. really excited to see what happens when you don't. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like the most fun, the most fun I've had making comics in the last few years is that, um, is on for this place. Like Tyler, Tyler moved, he used to live in, in New York city with me, but he moved up to Buffalo and, I we decided that rather than plotting the whole book, we were going to plot arc at a time because mm -hmm. it would feel more fluid and whatever. Um, and so we know where it's going. But every six months, I go up to his place in Buffalo and I spend a week there. And we don't sit down and strenuously do it. We'll like watch a movie and just like lean over and whisper to each other like this. And then we'll go have dinner and you know we'll go out to a bar and talk about stuff. And it's fun because it's so fluid and so mm -hmm. just like. Mm -hmm. we're just changing all the all the roadmaps as it goes and like there's ideas that are coming up in the book that like we're not in the book but feel so integral to what the book is now that like i kind of can't see how they weren't there before yeah and and it's that sort of discovery process that i think makes it is making things feel more vital to me so mm -hmm. uh I, I i like hearing other writers sort of be like you need to take those moments and find that stuff because it's really I mean, it's the thing that stops me from burning out really is like yeah. exploring. Um, I, I love, I love and hate developing a book and then I, uh, and then it's just routine after it's developed. And so having the chance to like do the thing that's just building an exploration is, is such a treat for me. And, and a treat also interestingly, like being able to do that is a privilege right? Mm -hmm. You have to earn the right and earn the trust to be able to do a book without yeah. a clear you know, without a clear path, trusting that your editors are trusting that your publisher, trusting that the fans are going to show up for, you know, what might be a hundred pages of walking to Rivendell. Yeah, right? yeah. That might be, they might be on that journey and like you need to, yeah, it's just, it's interesting because it's a hard spot to get to. Um, yeah. But it sounds real nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's, 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 it's funny. We're, we're in this interesting boat where uh, we've never done a book over 12 issues. Mm -hmm. With the exception of Star Trek Year Five, uh, which uh, we wrote twelve issues of. I mean, we plotted the twenty-five, mm -hmm. and like, but that was you know in conjunction with a room and and um, and the scaffolding that we built there. Um, so we've never done something where we got to change the plan midstream mm -hmm. or build the or build the bridge as we were doing it. Yeah. Um, with maybe two exceptions, uh, like our first thing, Joyride, because we thought that book was going to go on forever and it was mm -hmm. sort of designed to be super modular and then it and and be able to do what you were just talking about right but it was our yeah. like second book in comics and it did not survive the mm -hmm. past 12 issues and they tried to kill it at eight and daphna playbin heroically saved that book and uh came back to us and was like you get 12 but w during the period where we thought the book was ending at eight we were like well this is a story about leaving your your family uh home and stealing the car and driving to the next town over and seeing what's there but it's in space so like the point was always going to be maybe eventually 
they come back around home, but like, they're just going to keep driving as long as we can let them keep driving. Yeah. They're like, there's mm -hmm. no time to bring them home now. Like we just got out here. So what's the only other ending of that story? And it's like, well, the car crashes and you, they die. And I was like, great. All right. Well, that's the ending of Joyride. And then <laughs> there was, there was issue eight and it was going to end and, and does effectively end with they're all dead. And then, um, and then we got issue nine. And we were like, oh, well, okay, I guess. Fuck. Yeah, I guess we have to figure out what that looks like. And then we and then we found ourselves building an ending. Um, and and how did that feel creatively? Like, was that was that a pain in the ass? Or was it exciting to, like, get this second chance on it? It was everything, man. I was, yeah. like, I was destroyed about not getting past eight. And then we fought it really hard. And then we eventually got to 12. And then we pushed out the... Tw and then, like, we killed the character, which felt so sad. But then we were able to, like build up a, a, a proper ending to the book it kind of felt like growing up because mm. the whole book was about being a teenager and just like fucking off and not having any responsibilities and then the last four pages or the last four issues had to be like now go home and save the earth and it was like oh okay <laughs> and that felt a little a little like how do we keep the book being what it is mm. but still tell that story and like mm. land this ship yeah. um, and so and we we just realized, like, yeah, it, no story. It, you can't have a story about running away from home if you don't have a story about coming back, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. which genuinely we, wasn't in our plan. You know? No, we did no. not want to come back. Earth sucks. Yeah. Steal a spaceship. But once we realized, like, you know, the actual arc of that story is this. Once we realized, and we had no choice, it was um, it was an easy one to make. Griffin and Matt, do you want to take a nap while I ask a couple more Star Trek questions? Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I like learning about things. Are, are, are your questions about the whale from 4? Because I would love to talk about the whale. Yeah, they're all about the whale from 4. Yeah. God awesome. damn it. I'm glad. I love 4. I'll make these quick for everyone's sake real quick. So I want to go back to year 5 because I just reread year 5 uh, in prep for this. Cause I, and I hadn't read it in a while. That was so interesting to me because I, I the comics does this thing a lot where it's like it's a medium where you can continue a property that didn't get its chance like it's like bringing back an old movie series or a tv series or whatever and you guys are do like did a book that was a comics version of a 60s tv show that has that slow that's hour-long 60s pace and it's you know and that stuff can often be so dull, but I found that those felt just like episodes of that show, but took advantage of the medium really well and didn't just feel like you're just looking at screenshots from an episode of a 60s TV show. I, I wanted to ask if there was anything to your approach of that, of of how to keep that book from feeling dull, because I feel like it could have so easily been. Well, and I think like before you look at how we kept it dull or kept it from being dull, um, it's yeah. important to see what we did to keep it 60s. Right. Um, because like right. that was the real key. It couldn't just be new Star Trek. It had to be an extension of yeah. TLS. Um, yeah. And along those lines, so when we were first starting working on it, obviously, um, you know, likenesses are incredibly important. It sucks. It is literally one of the biggest <laughs> bottlenecks of doing Star Trek comics, but likenesses yeah. are incredibly important. Uh, but so when you're looking at TOS, um, so is remembering the actors behind those performances, right? You remember this isn't Kirk reading. This is Bill Shatner. Bill Shatner is counting lines, right? Bill Shatner does not want Spock, does not want Nimoy to overshadow him in a scene. <laughs> you got to keep that in mind. You also keep in mind like um, a lot of the of TOS was filmed on the same sets, but with wild colors, Right, they right. blast a wall with a pink light, and suddenly it's a different wall entirely. Um, mm -hmm. And that 
comes down to the coloring, right? And how the coloring can have to be used to, to pop. So there's all these like little grace notes that we use to make sure that it felt of the time yeah. while also telling stories of the now. Yeah, yeah sure. and, and and that stories of the now bit is, I think, how we we approached it in terms of like trying to make sure that it wasn't boring. Um, right. Star Trek. So I I tend to think that Star Trek the original series is not a boring show, but it, it, but, agree, yeah. but when but when viewed with modern sensibility, outside of its strongest episodes, it is slow and it is and it is and it is small compared to like. Yeah. The kinds of show and it's why star trek in some ways has had a hard time translating until they just did that again with strange new worlds right because eventually right, you right. get back to the format and you're like boom hey the format works yeah. um but they but they had a format that works they had an incredible lead actor um lead actors mm. really they had like a really wonderful core trio um and then a bunch of characters who got very thinly sketched over three seasons of television and then got really put blown out in the movies. Um, right. All the characters that we think of as like everyone beyond Kirk and Spock and Bones. Yeah. Basically everyone else is a movie construction. There, there are parts of them in there. Uhura has some great beats in the show, but by yeah. and large, they are not consistent characters. Uh, we, so we came in and we were like, well, we know where they're going to go in the movies. So let's treat them like consistent characters now. So if you're a Star Trek fan, you're going to get more of these characters than you normally would in TOS. We're going to actually break the show format that way. We're also mm -hmm. going to introduce an ongoing plot structure in uh, in Bright Eyes and the Tholians and eventually a big bad in Gary 7. Characters who, uh, <laughs> like like structures like this that are not, were not part of the TV language when Star Trek the original series was on. We're going to use a writer's room. Star Trek the original series was written by freelancers and story editors. Like, we're going to work in totally different mediums. We're, we're going to have to treat it like comics. So we were freed from having to be like, you're doing a cover of the original series. It's like, no, right. we're right. trying to make you feel the way you felt watching the original <laughs> series yeah. while reading a comic book, like while getting stories that are structured for comics, while getting new stories that are that are about things like uh, gender fluidity and trans issues or uh, mm -hmm. the downfall of democracy over information bottlenecking or, I mean, just, I mean, our, our episodes are about modern stuff. Right. But they are told through this, ideally as pitch perfect as we can, 60s lens, um, with an eye on where those characters are going to go uh, in the motion picture for fans who really uh, care about that stuff. Um, so th I think that's, and, 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 you know, we really should knock it out of this conversation without saying Stephen Thompson is a big part of the answer. Stephen Thompson was the mm -hmm. key artist on the series um, and is just great at that. He's like specifically good at taking that era and that feel and filling it with wonder and scope without making it feel like it's not the era um, mm -hmm. or the sort of uh, production design that you would expect from it. He's just excellent at that shit. Yeah, totally. Who were, which, which uh, character voices were you guys' favorite from doing that series to write? That's a fun question. Um, uh, I mean, honestly, like writing, uh, well, ah, fuck, man. No, that's an impossible question. They're all <laughs> characters. Like you cannot, you you know, writing Bones, there is no one snarkier or smarter mm -hmm. than Bones in a room. He's absolutely the goat. Like, but you, you but, but Sulu is uh, amazing and Chekhov is so much fun. Scotty's rolling in there, like your absolute just shit kicking uncle. Like, and then obviously, you know, you can't go wrong with Spock or Kirk. Like, right. so, so, sorry, all, all the truth. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was very excited to write Kirk and thought that that was mm -hmm. going to be the, the big, in fact, we had, we had four principles on Star Trek year five. Um, I think number two was when in doubt Kirk, 
It's just like mm. every every story is about Kirk. They they yeah. you you don't think about that now because you think of it as like a seven person crew. But every yeah. story, with almost zero exception, is about Kirk. There's a few that are about Spock, but they're also about Kirk. And there's a few that are about Bones, <laughs> yeah. but they're also about Kirk. Oh, Kirk is the yeah. lead of that show. So it was like I was really I was like it's all going to be about Kirk, and then uh, turns out it's Spock. Turns out yeah. if I could write Spock every day, I would write Spock for the rest of the <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love him. He's the only character who's allowed to use, it's him and Kang the Conqueror, who are allowed to use 50 words when every other person in a comic should use one. Like you can over, <laughs> yeah. And I, I am, of the two of us, I'm the overwriter for sure, as you can tell from how much I fucking talk. And so for me, characters like Spock and Kang are a relief because I don't need to edit myself as much. That's so true. Like you see walls of text in comics and it's like, ugh. But when you see it coming from Spock, it's like, yeah, there you go. That's yeah. <laughs> he, he gets yeah. to do that. It's funny. Yeah. We have a character on the new book called Talir. Um, mm, who, yeah. uh, they, uh, the joke for us at the beginning of it was kind of like, they're, uh, they're the Spock on the bridge, but they're the TLDR Spock. Like <laughs> right. they're just there to like, and we and we don't entirely stick to that in the first issue, but we've been like because we wanted to get a little Spock in there. But we're trying. It's it's been um, they've been a really fun character to develop to figure out like what's a Vulcan science officer that isn't Spock? How yeah, do you, how right. do you do that and what does that look like? For you, sure. you, you guys have so much love for Star Trek, um, and it's like so apparent in the way you talk about it, and like you know I think the fans recognize it in the work. I just have to ask, like, have you guys not seen Star Wars? Are you not aware of it? <laughs> well, did you see, did you watch Andor? Did you watch Andor, guys? Loved, loved so, Andor. Yeah, just, good. just fucking <laughs> loved Andor. Just, I am, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a partisan. I, there's a Boba Fett behind me. Yeah, why I, I kept this up, I kept this up even after Book of Boba Fett. That's how much <laughs> I like this Boba Fett character. I, no, I, These yeah, two I think love, you gotta pick one. I don't know what the deal you don't. is. It's not, I, that's it's a bunch of bullshit. It's it's Star, Wars, Star Wars is the space fantasy. Yep. Star Trek is Law and Order in space. Star Trek is the, right. is the TV drama. It's the sci-fi we have, show. We have science it's, fiction and science fantasy. Like, they are two yeah. different yeah. shows. I, I joke about it, but actually, I, I do have a lot of love for for Star Trek. Um, mm. I'm not as I'm not as current on like all the new stuff, but like original series and the movies and Into Next Generation, I'm a I'm a huge fan of. So. There's so yeah. much stuff coming out right now in all the different eras. Does that like ham feel, make you guys feel? Do you have any feeling about the fact that there's stuff from later in the timeline coming out now than where your thing is, or is that just kind of exciting? And to use Colin's metaphor, more shit in the stew, man. <laughs> yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs> like, uh, or I guess not shit. Uh, more veggies in the stew. Yeah, it's, shit uh, in the stew. Yeah, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know that classic Colin trick. Shit in the baby. Uh, no, I I think it's great. Like we, yeah. It's it's, it's it's interesting though because we cannot watch any of the new shows without a little bit of your, your animal brain scrabbling mm-hmm. around behind you being like, what if they're about to fucking do your plot, bud? Yeah, like, right. Mm-hmm. What if they're about to do your plot? What if they're, you know, cause we are, we are in continuity. We are talking to CBS. We're mm-hmm. talking to Paramount. Um, but there's always, you know, like the shows are going to be taking point position. And if they decide to pivot in a new direction, like, mm-hmm. you know, comics have a, that's Jack points out. Comics have a six month lead time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, there's some stuff, but but so far, thank God, the communication has been wonderful. Um, <laughs> we're all kind of working together, and so far, there has not been any, uh, you know, any of those train wrecks that we right. could be concerned that could happen. You said yeah. your editor has eyes on Picard scripts, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like yeah. Our, the, we 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 know the stuff that we need to know to make the stuff that we need to make work. Right, right. Like so, like 
a really good example of, of how far our access goes is we did not know about lore until we okay. saw lore in the trailer of right. Picard 3, but we were writing a book with lore in it, right? Mm -hmm. But as soon as we did know, we could go to Star Trek and be like, okay, let's talk about how this is all going to work. And we could find ways through our editor and through other ways to make that, to make what we are, to make sure that what we are doing is not repetitive or redundant and is in fact still, because they could, they have eyes on it, right? We trust that Star Trek knows what they're, what they're doing because they're incredible people and we've worked with them for years. So I trust that they're going to see this and be like, okay, great. This connects to this in this way, or we're going to give this note without telling these guys the plot of a card, which is great. Cause I don't want to know the pl plot of card season three. I'm a Star Trek fan. I want to watch it. Like <laughs> I, I, I had something spoiled for me from the show because of, of work. Right. And I, it's, it's amazing. It's a beautiful beat. And I wish I didn't know it was coming now because like, right. it's, it's genuinely really good. So that in a lot of ways, that's the big thing for me is like, I just love Star Trek. So I don't want to get spoiled on this shit. Um, but no, I think having more shows is great because it's more stuff for us to use. Um, mm. We uh, the, the the pitch on the new Star Trek comic is what if a TOS book and a TNG book and a Deep Space Nine book and a Voyager book and a Discovery book and a Strange World book and a Lower Decks book and like you're just going like right. all the Star Trek shows. Fucking, we have Enterprise references in our book. Like let's yeah. let's bring it all in. Let's put it all under one roof, and so that if you come to if you come to comics and you see a book called Star Trek, there's going to be, and you have any re reference point for Star Trek anywhere, that there will be something for you in this book. We, we think that it, that like, was Marvel my last question. Yeah. It was like, yeah. what are you guys hoping to add to the universe with the book? And it's, is it just all the best of all possible worlds with Star Trek? Well, I think, I think it's that and the return of Cisco. Yeah. I think, I, I think, that, I think the return of Cisco is what we're adding to Star Trek because it's a thing they can't film. Right. It's right. a thing that like every Brooks is not going to return to that character he is a like he he's made that clear for many 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 years right. um it, that character is uh vital and really doesn't exist without Avery Brooks um yeah. so how do you do what the show promises which is spoiler alert at the end of Star Trek Deep Space 9 Benjamin Sisko ascends to godhood but because Avery Brooks made them put it in says <laughs> I'll be back yeah Mm -hmm. because he refused to leave his son. He was like, I'm not going to be an absentee father at the end of my character arc. Fuck that. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, I will come back. But then put them in the situation, but then, you know, my not returning to the character, a character can't come back, so they keep having to be vague about what happened with Cisco. So when we right. got this shot at the story, the first thing we did was walk in and say, Cisco's back. Mm -hmm. This is the story of how, of, this is the end of his story, because as much as I understand that the end of his story is the end of Deep Space Nine, and there, and you could, and maybe it is hubris to pick up that toy again, I've always felt very strongly in that beat about coming back. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's important as somebody who, who, who had a mostly absent father growing up, like, right. it's very personal to me. I've met a lot of people for whom it is very personal um, over my time as just a fan. Uh, and especially in our time having having done it, I've had people come up to me and be like, Jake Sisko means a lot to me. And it's like, okay, like, let's, we got to really talk about how we're going to make that work. Um, so we came in swinging. We we're like, if, if you're going to do this, you have one shot. And this is the one that doesn't get tread on by Picard or right. by Strange New Worlds or by the original series or by, or, or by Prodigy. All of the other captains have outlets. Sisko right. has no outlet. So we were like very happy that it all synergized to be what we wanted to make it. Um, and hopefully we are able to sort of give his story a meaningful coda 
um, right. that uh, that lets fans see something that I think we've all wanted to see for a long time, which is Benjamin Sisko with low-level godlike superpowers. Like, what if Doctor Manhattan was a Starfleet captain? Is a right. dope pitch. And uh, <laughs> the minute and the minute we said it, we were like, "Let's go." Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we should wrap it up. We're about at that time, but I just wanted to say uh, sort of a, a just a, a compliment and sort of just a question if you guys want to talk about it. And if not, we can just end it there. But it feels like to me as as someone who's known you guys for a while, but, uh, you know, like watched, watched your careers and, and been a fan, it feels like in the last year or two, you guys have really like leveled up not not in terms of craft per se but in terms of career like the captain america stuff has been huge and and beloved and you know the obviously the star trek stuff is getting bigger and more ambitious as you go and and Mm -hmm. batman beyond and and everything you're doing um do you do you guys feel that do you recognize that is that something you think about is it something you think happened or is it just we we did we paid our dues and here we are or or did something change like what are your thoughts on that oh you saved that for the last question (laughs) Uh, now i wasn't nervous about it but now that you've pointed it out i'm gonna have a panic attack (laughs) um no but i mean actually yeah you 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 know you 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 hit it on the head um the last basically coming out of pandemic um which you know i think like all of comics you know pandemic hit and we all looked around and realized like oh the industry's dead yeah you know all of the effort that we've put into Mm -hmm. this is for naught um and during that time we you know we really scrambled um we were definitely looking down you know the opera the possibility that all the hard work we put into this is just going to go up in smoke uh Mm -hmm. and that kind of led us to reach out in some interesting ways and to make some strange connections so that when we were actually able to come out of this, um, we'd maintained those connections and it was really able to hit the ground running. So you're absolutely right. These last two years for us have been bananas, Um, but we're still the same two dudes. Um, You know, we are the same best friends who are going to comics, uh, comics every Wednesday. It's just now that we're writing some of the most amazing comics we could possibly dream of. Um, So yeah, we often (laughs) do stop and pinch ourselves um, because this is so absolutely unreal. Um, mm-hmm. And we do not see it as like, oh, we paid our dues. We've earned like, you know, yeah, finally we can. Not at all. We're here at the top of the mountain. It's like, no, we are hungry. We are constantly moving forward and we are, haven't reached the top of any mountain. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah. oh, when, how do you know when you've reached success? It's like, you fucking don't. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the journey is the success. Like, are you working? Are you doing the things that you love? Like if you wake up and every day you're, you're, you're creating stories that you're passionate about, that's the success. Um, do I wish our patron was higher? Yeah, of course. But, you know, there, we'll get there. There, I, I have one barometer of success, which is this action figure of a Duke Thomas Batman with a metal guitar that, <laughs> with a bat suit made out of a dragon, which is from a book we wrote. And now oh, it's is so that's success. This thing sits right over there with my uh, Batman black and whites of other characters we've written. But this one, we actually got to like co-create with Scott Snyder and got out there as a as a as a thing. That's oh, never dope. mind. Never mind. You are at the top of the mountain. I, yeah. I feel at the top of every fucking mountain when I see this thing. Um, but but to to give a little like coda to that, like I think you mentioned earlier that you know a lot of the stuff that we're attracted to is not like terribly popular. Uh, I didn't put it in those terms, but yeah. I know, but that's, I mean, we know. 
truthfully, we know, we talk about this a lot, like, especially in our 20s, it was actually a big concern for us because we would look at people who had success, success younger than us and be like, why, what did we do wrong? Mm -hmm. And it's like, we didn't do anything wrong. We just weren't commercial for what was commercial at that time. Like yeah. I, I, some of my very best friends became very famous commercial screenwriters and I look at their work and I'm like, it's great work. It is not what I would produce. Mm -hmm. And I can't pretend to produce that work. It's not like I can like will us to be a commercial screenwriters. It's just not a thing. We, Fuck, when Matt, we... I have, and I have tried, I have tried <laughs> to drag this boy down into the muck and I'm like, lowest common <laughs> denominator, baby. Let's just do something sexy and stupid. And <laughs> And, and I don't think, but I don't think you'd be happy there either. I don't know. I don't know. That's are the like, point. Whoa, you will be miserable. <laughs> and then we remind ourselves that the art is what matters when we pull each other up. But like, mm. and, and sometimes so, like, it really help. No. And so that's the thing is that because of that, it took a little longer for people to get on our shit because our, uh, because our, our audiences were, were these small cult audiences. We kept having cult mm. things. It's like, oh, oh you heard this cult thing. Oh, this cult thing. Oh, you heard this cult thing. And it's like, oh, it's all the same cult. It's one <laughs> So we're like, okay, how do we, and not in like a cool Donny Cates way, like in like, so we were like, how do we like, how do we put together this way that allows us for these group of weirdos? Because most of our fans are weirdos. Like, how do we get these group of weirdos to talk to each other and identify as a fan base? And how do we get the Joyride people to buy a Zojacon book? And how do we get the hacktivist people to buy a Joyride book? And like these, because we're just writing what we think is neat, hmm. um, the breadth of that goes a little wide. And I think what's happened recently, the thing that happened after um, in the last two years, really to me is like, it, it mostly boils down to Batman beyond Neo year and uh, Kang the Conqueror. I think mm -hmm. those books changed our whole thing. I think we were like, Kang was a book that we wild pitched in the middle of pandemic when we knew they wouldn't do it, but like we knew they were just back and like figuring stuff out because we were doing something with Disney Press. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I, can, I know we can like get this in there. Mm -hmm. And we threw this crazy pitch at, at Alana. And when the time was right, she was able to make it work. And then suddenly, and so we came out of pandemic into a space where we had done a Marvel book and not only done a Marvel book, but done a Marvel book that was a Zojicon that, mm -hmm. that was like designed to be weird and designed to be, to make you think and have a lot of words and and really like, sit with it for a while and was mostly about like abuse <laughs> like it was like not like it wasn't like a fun book right. and and yet people responded to it it sold people liked it the editors were tom brevoort was willing to like give us other chances like that was a, a totally different that changed the paradigm for us at marvel and then allowed us to start doing stories that were like okay here's what a marvel story looks like from us and so now you're going to see that uh, you know ongoing with with cap you're going to see that on the next thing we do and we're going to try to make sure those stories are also not um like the same brand. I don't want you to be able to read a hive mind thing and be like, well, this reads like the hive mind. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to be able to read it and be like, oh, this is good. Oh, yeah. no wonder it's kind of hive mind. That's that's the <laughs> like that's that's the ideal. Um, and then Batman Beyond was the same way. Dave Dave Will Ghost gets all the credit for keeping our career alive at DC when we were sure. effectively unhirable. They he he just literally kept us there until he could finally get Batman Beyond in, and he did it in the middle of the pandemic and when no one was looking. And then that book sold way better than anyone expected, which I, including me, man, our books never sell. So I was shocked and I'm like, and, and so, and so that, and that changed their work, work around on us. You know, yeah. that was like, now yeah. DC looks at that book as a success. They want to do more stuff like that. They, they, you know, it was a great 
way for Ben Abernathy, who always liked us as people, but had never worked with us to like yeah. have a vote of confidence in us. Um, like these two things happened kind of simultaneously. And then we just got lucky on Star Trek. Star yeah. Trek was Heather Antos going from Valiant over to Star Trek at the exact same time as we were giving up Star Trek on year five and were and had worked with her on the Harbinger at Valiant. Um, which is a really hard book to work on, uh, but not because of Heather. Uh, and like, uh, she was incredible. And so mm -hmm. she came over and was like, do you want to do Star Trek? Or, you know, she, she, we came to her and said, please let us do Star Trek. Like, we don't want to <laughs> leave. If you're here, we don't want to leave. And she was able to just be like, okay, guys, then what does a book called Star Trek look like? Um, so I so I really like, like, yeah, it's it like to some degree, like, yeah, we were people, are, more people are reading our books. That's awesome. Um, but I don't think... I'm not sure we changed at all what we were doing. Mm -hmm. The editors who had been supporting us for a while were finally in positions of power yeah. to yeah. get those stories through because they trusted us in a way that the older guard didn't. It's it's funny because like the names that come up, like um, Alana was my editor on Hawkeye, and mm -hmm. and I and and um, the Tales of Suspense, and and Dave actually edited the first thing I did at DC was was assistant on that, and like has been a big champion and like I actually never worked with Heather but she's a she's a friend and she was always a champion of me at Marvel and like it's funny how when you talk to certain people like the same editors are the people who are like really championing voices and helping people and it's really funny because like I mean right before this started Dave sent me a really nice email just like at end of the year like he Is does that yeah it's the nicest it's the nicest thing and I get like, one every year and it like yeah. oh. Yeah, and it's just like Alana's the same way. Like Alana's just like such a wonderful, kind editor, and like so wants to be hearing what new people have to say in the industry, and 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 excited about new ideas. And I think Heather's the same way. And it, I, it's it's nice to that that um, to hear the same names that like you guys are running across, that I was running across, that I am running across. It's it's a it's a super nice feeling in this industry to have those people out there they are the industry yeah like like when we talk about the like there's the comics community and mm -hmm. then there's the industry and the industry runs on editors man like it's yeah. their taste and so I, I i'm i feel very lucky to have editors who look at your stuff and go that's awesome and also look at our stuff and go that's awesome yeah, like, yeah. I, I i that it's that's kind of how you know you found the right people because they're they're reading the same stuff you read Mm -hmm. right like i read matt rosenberg books so i would hope my editor also digs matt rosenberg books because then when that influence shows up in my book they'll be like oh i get it and go on or whatever it is because we're constantly ripping you off is what i'm saying that's fair that's yeah yeah uh, <laughs> all my all my takes on star trek are really I guess, <laughs> um, yeah on that note i just want to say like you know i'm i've nothing in the last couple of years of comics has made me as happy as seeing you guys kick ass. Like you've just been doing so much awesome stuff. And like, you know, I, I, you know, I remember talking to you about green arrow and you were, when you were thinking about taking green arrow and, uh, you took me off a ledge the night green arrow got canceled. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like, but just being like, dude, you're good. Like this, this is like, you guys are really good at this. And like, it's nice to see, that come to fruition and one it validates my taste and opinion which i'm always looking for but also <laughs> like you know like I, there's a lot of times where you see good people in this job like they'll, they'll get a swing and they don't hit it out of the park and it's rough to see and it's like well there's a million reasons why that doesn't why it doesn't happen in that moment and like you just hope they get another chance at the plate and like 
you know, seeing you guys get Batman Beyond stuff and me being like, oh man, I, I hope they crush it. And you guys crushed it. And like seeing the cap stuff where it's just like, well, it's just some one shots. It's a small thing. And then it's just like, no, it's the fucking book. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, has been great to see. It's been really like, as a, as a fan of the medium, it's fun as, as friend, it's fun. So um, yeah, like, thank you guys so much for, for making awesome stuff and, and being mm-hmm. something that, that is a, a bright light in comics. And thanks for coming on the show and hanging out for a bit. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, it's been uh, me cry, Matt. Thanks, bud. It's been really awesome and inspiring to talk to you guys. Uh, and and I'm hoping that you know one day it's a similar thing where people pick up a book by Ethan and I. They read it. They go, "Wow, that was really good." Who did this? And they go, "Ugh, the Supple Boys." Oh, <laughs> What does that mean? Like, was there a, was there a subtext in this I didn't understand? Oh God! It feels so subtle. So something this book feels gross. In my head. <laughs> Can someone shred this? Rub <laughs> lotion on the book. You guys, are, <laughs> you guys are yeah. So you guys are inspiring, inspiring the next. Uh, uh, we're inspiring the next, the next generation of supple. And boys. we're gonna put I it right on the thing. We're gonna say you know the supple boys would not exist without Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> really, <laughs> if anyone boys had a five mind collab. Oh, that'd be good. Just, just the supple I mind. Oh, <laughs> hive boys. Um, it's all horrible it all sounds horrible it's all bad i don't like any of it matt's boys matt's boys definitely sounds i like that that definitely Good. sounds like, like the FBI <laughs> coming to me. yes uh well thank you guys again for coming out and hanging out it's been awesome And that brings us to the end of part two of our discussion with Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Make sure to check out Star Trek, Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, and everything else they're working on by giving them a follow on Twitter at Jackson Lansing and at CP Kelly. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter me at tales to astonish or griffin at griff sheridan we'll include some of your correspondence on the show and we'd love to hear what you have to say and big thanks to summer people for our theme song where's the poison thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time Uh